This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Now there's something we can call the big three of world oil, and two is Martin OPEC. One is Russia, and the other is, in fact, the United States. If the Fed can possibly justify a rate hike in June, they'll go ahead and do so. Monetary policy is very good at influencing the business cycle. Monetary policy is not very good at influencing structural impediments to growth. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen on a Monday after a Friday. That was amazing what we observed at 8.30 on Friday. A lot of good research notes through Friday into the weekend. And, of course, a number published this morning as well. In this hour, Robert Cinch will join us from Amherst Pierpont. We dragged him on Friday on uh, Euro-Yen, and we got a lot more to talk about than uh, uh, the moment of Euro-Yen that we saw uh, last week. Sterling, just in the last hour, not cratering, that's the wrong phrase, but Sterling much weaker off another poll indicating uh, Brexit uh, gaining some momentum off uh, remains. So lots to talk about this morning. We welcome all of you worldwide in the United Kingdom and, of course, coast to coast. Uh, Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington and Baltimore. Good morning. And, of course, the early morning in San Francisco as well. Bloomberg Surveillance uh, brought to you by Invesco. Don't settle for average in your portfolio to Invesco. The right approach means investing with high conviction. Find out more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. Some stability in the markets off the gyration. Uh, that we saw Friday. You see that in the yield, the two-year to four digits, point seven nine five three. Excuse me, that's two basis points. Higher yield, lower note prices. Futures basically flat, up two. I would note German yields, again, with stability, although the two-year yield uh, in a negative 0.54% is remarkable and Again, the dollar churning here with a little bit of dollar strength off that Brexit news <clears throat> earlier. It is wonderful to begin my week on uh, Bloomberg Surveillance Radio with Robert Cinch of Amherst Pierpont. What Bob Cinch does best is not just foreign exchange, not just bonds, not just commodities, but a synthesis of all of them through the global litmus paper known as foreign exchange. Bob, your arch call is dollar stronger. Does Janet Yellen want a stronger dollar, or is that the cart that follows her horse of higher interest rates? No, I think that's the cart that follows uh, her decisions and the, and, the, and the FOMC's decisions on interest <coughs> rates. Um, and, and I think the tone at the FOMC, importantly, has changed over the last three or four months. Uh, I think the word uh, normalization is probably going to be a bigger part uh, of their dialogue going forward. Uh, I think they're no longer in a situation where they um, necessarily have to focus on uh, on things like like excess slack and and inflation numbers heading lower. They know the 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 headline inflation numbers are heading higher, and the core inflation numbers are north of one and a half percent. But I think, uh, and I think Stanley Fisher has had a big influence on this. Yeah. They've come to realize that these are not normal interest <clears throat> rates. These are emergency levels. Uh, and there's really no rational reason why they should still be there. So I think they're trying to normalize policy. And I think that that reduces the importance of things like uh, last Friday's numbers. I say this with great respect for your work at Brown University with the acclaimed Mr. Poole and others, which is a vector gets in place, and on a physics basis, the vector gets in motion and stays in motion. This is the question I got this weekend. 
Why can't they raise rates and just say, we're going to raise them to here and stay here instead of the presumption of a vector higher and a measured path higher? Why can't they do one and done? You know, I, I, I think that the Fed's had a problem here now for probably a year, year and a half. They would like to see the level of interest rates higher, a more normal level of short-term interest rates, so they can get functioning, rational functioning back into markets. The problem is getting from here to there. If they could instantly get to 1.5% on the Fed funds rate, which would be a zero real Fed funds rate versus right. the underlying level of inf uh, core inflation, I think they'd be very happy with that. I think they'd feel that's a more rational uh, financial world. The problem is they're just afraid to get from a quarter to 1.5%. They're trying to figure out how they get from here to there. Um, I think if, if the Fed funds rate were at 1 or 1.5%, they would probably just leave it there and find no reason to change it. But they've got to get back to a normalized world, and I think that's what we're hearing more okay. out of the Fed rhetoric. <clears throat> Robert Melman's note from J.P. Morgan this weekend was they stand with a July rate increase, maybe, you know, pause in June, Brexit and all that. I, I just don't understand why we can't have a July rate increase with language that says we understand the debate, but we got to have some some clearance off the zero bound. I don't hear that from Chair Yellen. Will I hear it today? I, I think you may begin to hear that. I think you may hear her talking a little less about slack with a 4.7% unemployment rate. Yeah. Wages starting to creep up a little bit. Uh, I think you may start to hear her talk a little bit more about normalized financial conditions uh, and the fact that these are emergency policies. And again, I think the thing that's changed over the last 12 to 18 months, two things really. One, obviously the unemployment rate down below 5%. The second is I think we're, we're seeing the influence of, of Vice Chair Fisher here in talking about uh, getting a fresh perspective and saying do we really want to be in a world where the, the real Fed funds rate versus core inflation is still negative at a time when the unemployment rate's 5% or less. Did, did you study measured in school? When did measured become measured? Was it, is it an artifact of Alan Greenspan? No, I think measured took on a, uh, took on a, a role in, in policy when rates got down to low levels, when the Fed wanted to send, well, I think a, a bit there. Of course, they, they, they unfortunately didn't move them quickly enough during that cycle. Um, and I think that's one thing that maybe is the Fed is thinking about is that they fell behind in past cycles. Um, they were always worried about what the downside risks were. Uh, and never got markets to adjust quickly enough uh, on a on a gradual basis. Um, and so I think that's what they're trying to do now is to say, you know, we've got this trade-off between raising rates, but also the level of rates and the whole structure of the financial system that comes from yeah. that. How will this play out in the markets? What, what I've been watching more than anything is the German yields as a proxy for disinflation and deflation. In America, Steve Major at HSBC with a house call of 1.5% U.S. 10-year yield. Can you frame an outcome where we have yields ever lower in the United States? It's not a very pleasant one. Uh, it's one in All, which I think Mr. Major yeah, would agree with that. Right. It's in it's, it's one in which there are no drivers of demand growth globally. You know, the demographics are working against demand growth globally. Um, the reorientation of the Chinese economy 
um, is is one thing that's maybe helping demand growth globally. But what I think we're we're struggling with is to see where the next level of demand is going to come from uh, uh, globally. Um, I think we've gotten a push out of lower energy prices, um, and that's helped. But I think going forward, we're going to continue to hear this drumbeat of fiscal policy uh, needs to take up more of the burden of, uh, of global growth, uh, and we're just not seeing it right now. And so that's where I think the monetary policymakers, in a sense, maybe have to start adopting rational policy and stop being the scapegoat for the lack of fiscal okay, policy. Okay, so just Janet Yellen comes out today and, and Dennis Lockhart with our Michael McKee, and they say we need more assistance fiscally. I see no indication within the election cycle or even after the election cycle of fiscal stimulus. I mean, I, I, I help me there. Well, I think after the election cycle, it could be a bit different because I think there are, um, you know, I think both major candidates are talking about having to do some things differently than we've done them in the past. Um, and so I think we could see um, some, some, some tax reform on the corporate side, uh, probably the best thing we could see right now for this economy in terms of generating investment. That is the weakest part of this economic expansion. Uh, it's weak around the world. I think there's just, as you would put it, a lack of animal mm-hmm. spirits, a, a, a lack of incentive to invest in new uh, technologies and new capacity. So I think it's the investment side where the biggest disappointment is, and that would argue that that's where the focus ought to be on fiscal policy going forward is how do we generate a better environment uh, to create business investment, create capital. If we create more capital, capital labor ratios go up, productivity should go up, real wages should go up. So, you know, if 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 you look around the world, the weakness is in the investment side of global economies. Um, and I think that's where the incentive should be going forward. Bob Sanchez with us with Amherst Pierpont as we get going here uh, in the 7 o'clock hour. To remind you, Dennis Lockhart in conversation with our Michael McKee. I believe that's in the 9 o'clock hour. And then we move on to the Philadelphia speech of Chair Yellen. You'll see that in the 12 noon hour today. That was an important speech and ever more so. I love what Capital Economics said, which was the scribbling you heard Friday at about 9 a.m. was Janet Yelling ripping up her speech and doing uh, something a little bit uh, different as well. The yen, 107.14 sterling, uh, after the shock and awe an hour ago from a 143 up to 144.03. Futures up to Dow futures up 30 as well. Brent crude, $50.14 a barrel. Uh, Tom Keene and Michael McKee from New York. Stay with us. Uh, this is, on a Monday, Bloomberg Surveillance. This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Palisades Audi. Visit palisadesaudi.com. Now let's check in and get to local news headlines. And, uh, Michael, Hillary Clinton goes into Tuesday's California primary, needing just 26 more delegates to clinch the Democratic presidential nomination at a rally last night in the state. She warned of a contentious campaign ahead. Tropical storm Colin gaining speed and strength as it gets ready to strike Florida later today. Collins' maximum sustained winds are near 50 miles an hour, with some slowing strengthening possible over the next two days. A forecaster say the center of the storm is expected to approach the coast of the Florida Big Bend area this afternoon or this evening. And Ukraine's intelligence agency, SBU, says it has thwarted a plot to attack soccer's European championships 
in France. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by a 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tecker. Mike and Tom. Thank you, John. We are watching an update in the markets. The markets were essentially flat on Friday after the jobs report. Right now, futures are higher by two points. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by New York Community Bank. Ask about their My Community Interest checking with free New York Community Bank online and mobile banking. Earn more. Get more. Visit MyNYCB.com for details. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by the accountants and advisors at Eisner Amper. Cybersecurity is on the mind of every business leader. Managing cyber risk should be too. Get started with a cyber risk assessment. Learn more at EisnerAmper.com slash cyber risk. The pound dropping to a three-week low after polls showed more Britons favored quitting the European Union, reviving concern. The June 23rd referendum will throw global markets into turmoil and undermine confidence in the 28-nation trading bloc. The British pound $1.4412. The Euro $1.1342. Futures are higher. S&P E-mini futures up three points. Dow E-mini futures up 34. NASDAQ E-mini futures up eight. The DAX in Germany is up two tenths percent. Ten-year treasury down six thirty seconds. The yield 1.72 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 1.2 percent or 56 cents to 49.18 a barrel. COMEX gold up a tenth of a percent or a dollar eighty to 12.4470 an ounce. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Key. Michael, what are you going to ask Dennis Lockhart today? I'll ask him whether he thinks June or July are off the table. I mean, that's the, the the question everybody wants to know. Um, uh, why do they think that uh, we saw such a lousy number in June? That's the immediate. I would ask him, can you ask him about the Atlanta GDP and Atlanta this and Atlanta that? There, there's all <laughs> these numbers. Bob Cinch with us with Amherst Pierpont. There's a, like we have P, this is the mic, Bob. I know you've never done this before. The, the, the PMI, now there's like 42 PMIs. We're going to have like seven Atlanta GDP now, wage tracker now. Do we need all this data? Well, I think the, uh, you know, the, the public sector, I mean, the, pri- the public sector, rather, the, the, the feds have had numbers like this uh, for quite some time. Um, I, I think they're just starting to publish them now to give some sense of, of how they're viewing the world, uh, a little bit more structured basis. So instead of it being qualitative discussions, you can now have quantitative discussions. And these really are tracking indicators uh, to track. I, I think the biggest surprise to me, has been how much uh, difference there has been between the the, uh, the sort of the now casting numbers coming out of the Atlanta Fed and out of the New York Fed. I don't know whether there's an inherent uh, uh, yeah. you know focus from the from down south being a little more optimistic, but certainly the Atlanta Fed now casting numbers, uh, which which take into account current data, have been a little more more upbeat than the New York Fed's numbers. Uh, New York Fed even now inching back above two percent, though for the uh, for the current quarter. Well, and I mean it, it just shows you that different models produce different results. But we're also talking about a sixteen trillion dollar economy, and uh, we're talking about very small deviations between the two in terms of total amount of money. So, you know, it's it's kind of hard to believe that uh, you could make a whole lot out of the differences between them. 
Yeah, and I think, again, some of it may be a bit of a timing difference. Uh, certainly the, the New York Fed estimate of, of current growth is, has accelerated a bit in the last couple of weeks. Um, but I think in general what it's telling us is, uh, uh, is that the economy is rebounding reasonably well during the current quarter. Um, and I think that that sets the stage for the Fed to take some action as we go through the remainder of this year. And I, and I think even the Fed rhetoric around this has shifted. Uh, I think the Fed being much more oriented to trying to normalize rates now as we go through this year and into 2017. Do you believe uh, that uh, they want to raise rates? I mean, that, that, that was the feeling I have had for a while, that they think enough is enough. I think they'd like the level of rates to be higher. Uh, I think they're having difficulty in getting from here to there. But I think they'd be very comfortable with a uh, Fed funds rate uh, that was pretty close to the core level of core inflation. Um, you know, we've got core inflation measures that range somewhere in the 1.5% to 2% range. I think they'd feel comfortable with a real Fed funds rate at zero, which is still by historic standards very low which would imply a nominal Fed funds rate of at least 1.5%. I think the difficulty they're having is getting from here to there. And I think every time you get a bad number like this, they kind of wish they had done it a few months earlier uh, rather than to face these constraints. But I think whereas six months ago, 12 months ago, they were looking for reasons not to, to normalize rates and move rates up, I think they've now shifted their focus to saying we want to try to get rates normalized. And so the orientation is we're going to hike rates unless something really tells us we shouldn't. Does this, Mike, does this set us up for a jump condition? I mean, my problem is with the shocker Friday and with a lot of my good research notes that really stand by July and the need to raise rates, the outcome, Bob Singe, has to be instability. You would think, although I think the hallmark of today is actually not very much follow-through. I think the markets are digesting the fact that, um, you know, we may have had a bit of an overshoot on the weakness of the dollar, and we're seeing the dollar back above 107. We're seeing euro-dollar coming off a little bit today. The pound has its own problems. Um, but I think the, the markets discounted the timing of June, but I think pretty quickly are coming to grips with a July move, uh, again, unless something really goes off the rails between now and then. And in a sense, I think that's a bit of a healthy situation where we're not extrapolating the latest uh, little nuance into something much more extended. And I think, again, mm-hmm. this shows the sentiment out there that that the mentality of the Fed has shifted, that the Fed does want to normalize rates. And as long as there is not something in their way, they will continue to do that. The uh, CPI was up, the PCE was up, and in the it, it, it wasn't as widely noted, but we had the ISM services numbers out after the jobs report on Friday, and they noted that uh, labor was a commodity up in price for the 13th straight month. So uh, you got to wonder if maybe if they wait too long, you got an inflation problem. Yeah, I, you know, I, I. I I hate to talk about an inflation problem because I don't think the data is going to show that any time in the, in, in the future. But to say that we don't necessarily have an inflation problem doesn't mean we should have a real Fed funds rate that's this negative. Um, and, again, that's where I get to the issue of, of the Fed's not really hiking. They're normalizing. And I think that's a big difference in their mentality in, in terms of how they're thinking. The other issue is, you know, we see the employment data – and the change in jobs each month. 
and that's a reflection of the interaction of supply and demand. And we always assume that the movement in jobs data is driven by the demand <clears throat> for labor. I think increasingly the the slowing in employment growth is a function right. of the supply curve, that the fact that in many industries, and again, we talk about yeah. macroeconomics, but this is really microeconomics. Yeah, labor markets are labor are, are okay. micro markets. There are many markets there where okay. the demand for labor is strong. The supply Bob, is not available. Got to go. Bob Sinch, thank you. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Land Rover. Adventure is yours for the taking. Visit LandRoverTriState.com for special lease and financing offers. Land Rover, above and beyond.